0: announcement the revolution will not be televised i repeat the hemp revolution will not be televised welcome to the hemp revolution podcast the global hotspot for the buzz and the can of biz hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules innovating business and changing history forever Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now, here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys?
1: Tonya Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado on another rock your socks episode of the hemp revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of cannabis and hemp through the eyes of the entrepreneurs who are creating massive change in this incredible industry. As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you participate in the growth of this industry or otherwise use its incredible products to transform the way that you feel and function every day. So if you are one of those people looking for products that you can trust check us out at medicalsecrets.com. We have personally vetted over 2,000 products and picked our very favorites to be listed inside of our marketplace. And if you are a budding entrepreneur or business owner in this space, I'd love to hear your story and share it with our community. Shoot me an email, sonia, at medicalsecrets.com, and I'll be looking forward to connecting with you. Today... You guys can thank me later. I have done it again and pulled yet another incredible change maker and entrepreneur from this space. And as the global CEO of Harvest 360, Todd brings strong leadership, global vision, and strategic direction to our multidisciplinary team of business experts, scientists, and cannabis professionals. His energy is drawn from his passion for the cannabis plant and a deep-seated desire to unpack all of its possibilities to heal patients and our planet. He is convinced that cannabis in all of its forms can legitimately contribute to a global economy and bring social justice to our society. He is committed to creating an effective and responsible legal cannabis market on a global scale. And here to share more about his background. And his future vision and how he is working day to day to execute is our good friend, Todd Scantini. I said it perfectly right before. Todd, okay. thanks so much for, having, for being on the show today.
2: Thank you very much, Sonia. It's really my pleasure. And, and thank you so much for the platform to, to address so many members of the cannabis and, and hemp community. Uh, I really appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, my name is Todd Scattini I'm, I'm the global CEO of Harvest 360. I'm a retired Army colonel. I, I served the country for 27 years in an Army uniform, and, and I'm very proud of my service and, and uh, you know, feel very grateful because I think it's kind of what made me who I am. Um, you know, I enlisted in the Army uh, oh, 29 years ago now. Uh, I was lucky enough to be selected after I enlisted to go to West Point. I went to West Point for four years. Uh, I was an armor officer and a cavalry officer. And then I became wow. a foreign area officer or a FAO. And uh, and so I, I began a, a career as a military diplomat. I, I spent 13 years as a military diplomat serving as a defense attache and a... And a um, uh, advisor to general officers, um, senior military officials, and uh, on on international military staffs. So I had a really uh, fantastic military career that kind of brought me to this space. A bit unconventional, I suppose.
1: Yeah, a bit unconventional to say the least. So that's such an incredible background. And thank you for um, your contribution to this country and my freedom, which I enjoy every single day. Thank you very much for that, um, and and I mean that with the most sincerity. I had, I you know, pre high school, um, I never was really. I was raised totally and completely separate from what would be considered quote unquote normal American life. My parents chose to raise me pretty nomadically, traveling and following the Native American. Indians, um, the the American Indians, and I spent a lot of time in the back of a car and running around barefoot on reservations all throughout California, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and didn't really have a ton of exposure to things like the military or the idea that somebody could disappear for four years before coming back a completely changed man or woman. And when I was in high school one of my very best friends volunteered and went to the Marines and ended up doing special ops and green beret and like, or, you know, all of the different, th- I, I don't know if I just mix those two things up. That would be embarrassing That's if I a, did
2: special operations,
1: special ops for the, for the Marines. And I had another friend who went on to do um, green beret. And then what's the sec- sector of the um, Navy um, Navy Steel. SEALs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I had three of my very, very best friends sign in to go to the military and poof, overnight, the minute that they graduated, they were gone and off to boot camp. And that was really traumatizing for me. And when they came back and told me stories of all of the things that they had done, it gave me a newfound appreciation to what in fact it actually means to be that committed and that dedicated um, to your country to your brother to your friend to you know the people that you are in arms with and it was just such an incredible eye-opener for me and makes me eternally grateful for those of you guys who are not only looking out for us but each other in such a careful way um talk to me a little bit about your transition into cannabis because as as we mentioned at the beginning of this Mm -hmm. that's somewhat of a pretty big shift there. I can imagine, I can imagine many, of your, uh, many of your close friends from the military were probably pretty shocked and surprised to hear you tran- transition into this industry. How did you end up in the cannabis craze?
2: Um, well, so it's interesting. I actually started in the military. I was, uh, I was deployed to Afghanistan. I was serving on um, a special military staff that worked directly for the commander of the International Security Assistance Forces. And we were given a a project of figuring out a way to create an economy for the Afghans using the resources that they have so that we didn't have to pay for them uh, for, you know, the rest of their existence the way the Soviets had had signed up to do. And that failed. So we wanted to really create something for them that was organic uh, from their resources. And so uh, I knew they had three resources. They have minerals. Very, very rare minerals that all go in our cell phones, but the Chinese bought the rights to all of them. They have, uh, they had heroin, uh, in the form of poppy, and uh, you know, they they provide about 95% of the world's heroin, um, today. Wow, no use for that. But then they have, cannabis. <laughs> they have lots and lots of cannabis that they were cultivating for the illegal hashish market around mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And having grown up in California as the son of a or the grandson of a California cotton farmer and uh, the son of a cowboy, uh, I kind of knew a little bit about agriculture. And I said, well, why don't we just flip the script a bit and transition them over to hemp? You know, I mean, this is a uh, a product that has, we have 8,000 years of relationship with and 25,000 different uses and food, fuel, fiber, medicine, building material. All of these things were resident in this plant just from a cursory look at it. And and I made this great proposal, and I thought it was uh, really cool, and it, it would have the the follow-on effect of uh, reducing the potency of hashish fields. And I was pretty proud of myself, but uh, the, it wasn't really ready for prime time, or maybe not. Yeah. Ready by leadership, it was a little out there. Yeah. yeah. And and so you know, but I was just taken by the subject, just absolutely enamored with it, as I'm sure you have been, and 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 most mm-hmm. of your listeners are. And, and recognizing one the racist and, and racist and greed driven roots of our own prohibition, and the follow on effects of that in our society, uh, especially the impacts that it has had on communities of color. Um, And, you know, I I grew up in Bakersfield, California. My stepfather was uh, Mexican-American, and and my school was about 95% uh, Hispanic. And so I had really great uh, friends growing up in the community and family from the Hispanic community. And once I saw really laid out for me the impacts on that community and on the African-American community, I was just like, this is not. American, this is not the America that I signed up to defend, and I wanted to see if I could do something about it um, you know simultaneously I, I recognized that there were so many military applications to cannabis and hemp, everything from material in terms of uh, fabric for our uniforms or upgraded materials uh, lightweight materials to build our aircraft and vehicles out of or for batteries or just you know everywhere and then what really struck me was when I, I stumbled upon the patent that uh, the uh, US government has for cannabis to serve as a neuroprotectant, anti inflammatory, antioxidant. Yeah,
1: 663507.
2: There you go. Yeah. And, th- and so that one for me really struck me because I had lost um, an officer who was struck in the head with a rocket propelled grenade that didn't explode. Um, and, and he succumbed to a traumatic brain injury th- uh, about five weeks later. And I was really devastated by that. And when I saw that the U.S. government knew that cannabis might have neuroprotective effects and antioxidative effects and anti-inflammatory effects, I thought, well, those are the three things that we would really need to mitigate and treat traumatic brain injury. And so I set about creating this thing called the Athena Protocol. Uh, which was, which is essentially uh, a strategy to mitigate and treat traumatic brain injury, and we believe it would also have the same effect on chronic traumatic encephalopathy or CTE, which is what uh, many of our football players suffer from, from repeated concussions. Um, the concept is essentially, you know, using non-impairing cannabinoids to maximize neural protection and neuroplasticity for a soldier in combat, um, in preparation for. Uh, a, a traumatic brain injury. And we typically get those from IEDs or improvised explosive devices um, that, you know, so there's there's really four phases to it. You know, the prophylactic phase where we provide that neuroprotection and then phase two happens just right of the boom, right? And the boom is an IED. And, and when we say right of the boom on a timeline is everything that we do following that attack. Uh, we would propose the uh, administration of more non-impairing or non cannabinoids, either sublingually or oral mucosally, or something, or perhaps through a transdermal patch, so that we can start the anti-inflammatory process immediately on the battlefield, and and hopefully save some soldiers' lives, uh, you know, by getting them to phase three, which would uh, be doctor-administered, where we monitor intracranial pressure and provide m- more uh, anti-inflammatory. Cannabinoids, and then phase four is probably the most exciting, which is really uh, recovery. Right, take things that really, really, the full spectrum of cannabis to, uh, to help therapy and help heal the brain. So, so, that's kind of what really drew me into it. And uh, after you know, I began watching all of them, they evolved because that that was about 2011 when I started studying and about 2012 I think was when uh, Colorado went legal um I, and I really started digging into policies as they evolved just by listening to podcasts by list, uh you know reading everything I could by participating in online forums you know I created this moniker to kind of protect myself, the hemp colonel, um, which I thought was kind of, kind of cute, you know, THC and all of that. But, but I really wanted to be involved in the community and listen to what was going on. Um, and, and I decided that I was going to retire. I I ended up retiring not early. Uh, I, I, served over 27 years, but I, I could have continued to serve, but I made the really difficult decision to get out of the military and, and join the fight and um, be a part of the cannabis community. Even while I was in uniform, I, um, you know, my last duty station was at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, where I was an instructor for the Command and General Staff College. And, uh, but I decided to buy a house in Missouri so that I could be a Missouri resident and, and help Missouri, who was the closest in the region, to uh, transition to medical cannabis. And I was part of uh, activist organizations collecting signatures, writing speeches, doing presentations, and talking to people about it. And we got it passed in 2018, and so now we're in the process of uh, licensing in the state of Missouri, and uh, it's it's very exciting. But I created my company Harvest 360 to really facilitate all of that, really facilitate anything having to do with cannabis and hemp. Um, today, we are a full service consulting uh consulting company. We provide consulting services. We write applications for people to own their own cannabis licenses in, in whatever state that might be. Uh, we've been very successful in Virginia, in Missouri, um, soon to be Illinois, where we submitted over forty applications on behalf of clients, and and then we help them run them. We help them run licensed uh, cannabis business. Um. Go
1: ahead. No, I was just going to say that's so that's really fascinating because I think, I think a lot of people have the vision to want to own their own company but don't necessarily have the wherewithal skill sets, um, certainly not the roadmap to do it correctly. I know i didn't when I was a part of legislative development and then owned and operated a dispensary here in Colorado. It was actually one of the first hundred licensed um, dispensaries in the state and it was not easy. There was no roadmap. We were making things up as they went along. And the hardest part about it was not knowing what was coming down the pipeline and how we should prepare for those things. So I cannot encourage people enough, if they're considering getting into the cannabis and hemp space, to absolutely bring on a mentor, build it into the budget, carry it on for a minimum of six months, if not for the full year. Because honestly, it just what will cost you let's let's just say you know quality consulting will cost you anywhere from 3000 to i've seen it all the way up to $10,000 a month for depending on how active people are in your business as a, in that role um however that amount of money invested on the front end will save you seven figures on the back end easy hands down every time i see it all the time and it is it's fascinating to me that more people don't invest like the three things I would invest in right off the bat, legal accounting and consulting. Like those three people are mandatory on the team when kickstarting a cannabis company, especially if you're coming from the old way of business and trying to enter into the new, it's so super valuable. Um, I know with the Athena protocol and with everything that you have been doing and consulting that you've gotten some pretty exciting opportunities to share, um, amongst an audience, a a significant audience of, um, of colleagues and, and entrepreneurs in our space, but also outside of this space, you had a speaking gig at the South by Southwest event for 2020, and then the event was canceled. How are they, how do you have any, First of all, congratulations, that's huge. And second of all, are they going to follow through with it? Are we going to be able to hear your segment?
2: I'm hoping so. We're we're working with uh, South by Southwest and even some other platforms to to still have um, this panel because I think it was a really important panel. Uh, One of the things I failed to mention is I said I am am an activist. I was an activist on on a local level here in Missouri. But um, I, one thing I'm very proud of is being a board member on the Veterans Cannabis Project, with, which you can, you can find at vetscp.org. Um, the Veterans Cannabis Project is based in Washington and is really working hard to move the needle on a national level and really fights for veterans um, to get their rights protected uh, and to participate in, in the, in, uh, and have access to medical cannabis. And what we're really trying to do is get the Department of Defense to shine their research lens on this plant and give us immediate access to it um, as a replacement for other uh, more dangerous and addictive and sometimes deadly uh, pharmaceutical drugs. So, so what for me, becoming um, being an activist and being part of the veteran community and, and, and keeping that focus has been really incredibly rewarding um, as part of that group. We submitted an application. Actually, we, we we submitted something so that people could vote on. Um, it was basically a recommendation for a panel. And our panel was called Duty Bound, Why the Department of Defense Should Embrace Cannabis. Um, it's still on the South by Southwest website. Um You know, our argument is is really that, you know, veterans are dying every single day. Uh, We all know the numbers. About 22 veterans will uh, decide in their life today because of post-traumatic stress or depression or anxiety or any other of those ailments. Um, Ten more will likely overdose on opioids that they either became addicted to in the military and then the Veterans Administration um, facilitated that addiction for, for longer periods of time, and, and then started to reduce the amount that, uh, that those veterans could have access to, which led them to the streets oftentimes, and, and we all know that the entire country is in a, the midst of an opioid crisis. It's just interesting because the veteran community is so representative of, of the United States, it's such a cross-section cross of our population. Um, and that includes uh, with all of the things we suffer from, because clearly post-traumatic stress is not just limited to the veteran community, we're just kind of the ones who are paying the poster children for it. But, but I think women are probably the largest group suffering from post-traumatic stress, followed yeah. by, followed by uh, first responders, you know.
1: Yeah yeah such important work that you're doing a lot of my a lot of my affinity towards patients rights to safe access was towards the veteran community because again similar to cannabis the veteran community has a pretty unique set of circumstances considering they're still receiving state funding many of them are under um many of them are under you know, assistance to have things that are as simple as housing or medical care, right? Mm-hmm. And and those things immediately become jeopardized the minute that you follow compliance for cannabis, which is not designed to serve people who are under, you know, state or federal assistance. It, it's, it's so crazy to me that those crosshairs were missed, um, but also really, really, really happy to see organizations like yours Um, or like the Veterans Cannabis Project, pop up and be in support of this particular demographic. Because it's just such important work, similar to the medical refugees, such important work that they have advocacy and that there's consistent awareness being brought up around their struggle to gain safe access without having to, you know, completely alter the the state or even location of their families. Um, it's really yeah. interesting your entry into this industry in particular, um, especially considering uh, and how and how perfect that you decided to build a consulting uh, company um, that supports the development of cannabis companies here and hemp companies here in the U.S. And it's no wonder after proposing perhaps too early, the idea of, you know, hemp cultivation and industry development uh, in the Middle East. Now, talk to me a little bit now about the pulse of the global uh, cannabis and hemp opportunities. Like, everyone's really, really focused on the U.S. right now. I think I think in general, we draw a lot of attention because we're, because <laughs> we are who we are
2: mm-hmm. in
1: the world. <laughs> but um, there is a massive, massive market that's unfolding globally. Seemingly, for me, because I'm I'm in the know and I've been using cannabis medicinally for, since I was 17 years old. I've been, you know, deeply in, involved and in touch with, um, you know, scientific development and case studies coming out of Israel. Um, you know, huge, huge. Watching what's happening in Portugal. Um, all over the world there's there's uh commerce opening up for cannabis and hemp. Mm-hmm. Can you share with me a little bit your viewpoints on the um opportunity that is available in a global marketplace when it comes to cannabis and hemp?
2: Sure. Well let's uh, I'll start with hemp. Um and, and first we'll define the three different markets. There's there's the hemp market, there's the medical cannabis market, and then there's the adult use cannabis market. We're um, starting with hemp first, and obviously the passage of the Farm Bill in, in 2018 means that you know hemp and and all of its byproducts are, are now off the Controlled Substances Act from Schedule Schedule One from the Controlled Substances Act, um, which means that now we have the opportunity potentially to to begin exporting this globally. I mean, we are exporting this globally um, throughout our industry. And, and what's fascinating is that the rest of the world is starting to catch up, right? Um, and and I believe the end state will be that there will be a global uh, market for cannabis, for adult use cannabis, for medical cannabis that will have specific formulations and, and precision. You'll have uh, adult use cannabis that is branded and 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 hip and you know have multiple methods of administration that's what's really exciting to us as well um but in terms of hemp i would love to spend a little bit of time on hemp i think hemp uh we have the potential to to affect so much change for first and foremost putting the the small farmer back to work um, that's, that's a big thing because small farms are just going to the wayside. I spend a lot of time in farm communities here in Missouri. And when I talk to leaders within those communities, you know, in these rural communities, they say, well, our number one export out of here is our children, you know, because we don't have any good jobs and, and no one's farming anything except for these big organizations and you can't make any money off of it. And it's just no longer sexy growing sorghum or, or soybean. But these mayors and, and, and uh, community leaders they say if we start growing hemp out here and and you know my kids are all excited about it even the older farmers are excited about it because they're all seeing the uh, the potential out of CBD first and foremost they really they're really uh, eager to see CBD because farmers have a lot of pain by the way because um, it's a, it's a hard life farming and yeah, nice. uh, they they're starting to recognize that it's hugely beneficial to all generations within these farming families and the younger generation they're really pumped about uh kind of educating their their older parents and grandparents about it and potentially transitioning their their fields to hemp fields Um, you know and that takes it that takes a big push it's a really heavy lift because as most of your listeners know the long pull in the tent for the hemp industry Uh, really uh, a really effective hemp industry that covers food fuel fiber medicine and building material it takes a big investment up front for processing processing is the long pole in the tent in terms of cortication extraction chipping of fiber herd all of that as well as an understanding of the entire value chain um but that's what's really exciting to us is that hemp is really coming to the fore? I mean, our our this continent was founded on on hemp sales, and obviously our farmers in 1619 were were farming hemp. Um, so it's really exciting to see it coming back into the fore. I mean, we have we have hemp in all of our ditches here in in Missouri, and it's from 80 years ago, right? And which is which is really interesting to see. What was our cultivar here in Missouri? It was called the Missouri Mule, and they could never get rid of it. It is everywhere, and uh, and it's exciting to see that soon we'll have have that in large swaths because we do have a, a pretty decent hemp program going on now. But we'll see it in large swaths all across the state and the country.
1: Yeah, I agree. I have I have to agree with you, and it's funny because I'm from you know the. The Northwest. So this has been a part of my conversation for a long time, and I, guilty as charged, used to make fun of the Rainbow People. Mm-hmm. He used to talk about, you know, their biodiesel and blah 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 so on and so forth and I'd be like okay hippies you know drive another van like (laughs) um, I used I really was I was like cannabis is king you know didn't really make the connection between the two I was you know 14 years old but I still didn't make the connection and I didn't and I didn't really think about it even still like when I was moving everything online I was thinking CBD or or hemp was diet weed. I didn't really like take it seriously as the incredible transformational crop that it is. And over the last, I would say, four years, five years, I've really began to take it quite seriously. Even though I was following a cannabinoid rich protocol um, from my doctor since I was seventeen you know, I thought hemp was as simple as like hemp hearts. I didn't really understand all of the chemistry that was happening behind the scenes until, you know, within the last 10 years or so. So I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I love how you're talking about stimulating the, both the generational and the new age, you know, farmer, because that this is, we're finding out even now in the midst of COVID that, you know, with all of the gloom and doom that's presenting itself and the fear that's stimulating, you know, the individuals and our families and communities and, You know, states and country right now, that there's actually quite a bit of blessing that comes along with it, like people getting serious about what it actually takes to be self sustainable. And we're seeing vegetable gardens pop up and people Mm -hmm. thinking about making their own medicines. And it's a unique kind of paradigm that, in the face of fear, people are starting to become self aware and asking the important questions of how can we be a part of the solution rather than the problem.
2: Yeah, and it's, I think it's interesting, too, in the time of COVID when we're recognizing that our supply chain is, is not our own, right? Mm-hmm. We are on other countries, namely China, uh, to, to produce so much of our own personal protective equipment that, uh, you know, I think this is going to expose a, a major gap in, in the American economy. And that is the ability to be self-sufficient, especially in something that is so critical to saving lives as personal protective equipment. It's, it's really fascinating. And I think hemp provides a really unique opportunity to address that in that it grows so quickly and that the fibers have, have known antimicrobial properties to them and so much can be done with it. So it's exciting to, uh, to think about what the future might look like in terms of PPE and, and uh, hemp cultivation and, and what it's gonna do for our manufacturing lines.
1: Mhm, yeah, I couldn't agree more so i I would love to know from you in in and seeing and hearing and knowing that you have your hands in in multiple facets. I mean, you guys are literally a three sixty company. What mm-hmm. is your primary focus for twenty twenty What do we have to look forward from to um from your guys' organization and what is the milestone that you guys as a team and as a company are pushing to achieve right now
2: certainly so. So Harvest 360 is now a wholly owned subsidiary of Blue Diamond Ventures. I'm the, I'm the uh, director of the board for Blue Diamond Ventures. But under, And under that umbrella, we have a couple of things going on. Um, we are creating Harvest 360 Labs, uh, which will license its SOPs and technology to other laboratories, namely uh, one that will be putting into place in uh, Missouri. Uh, is a group that we wrote their application for them here in Missouri to, And they won one of the 10 uh, laboratory licenses for the medical cannabis industry here. We're very proud of that. Um, and, and so we're focusing a lot on laboratories. Additionally, we have been invited by the island of Puerto Rico and the government of Puerto Rico to establish a hemp and CBD testing facility uh, that would include mobile testing to assist uh, hemp farmers in, you know, understanding when to uh, harvest their field so that they don't go over 0.3 percent, percent THC. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, laboratory testing for us is very, very important because we believe that brings legitimacy and predictability, and and, and you know, gives a, an element of trustworthiness to our industry. Um, that's very important. And it also leads to Uh, is exactly what is needed in order to have academic research uh, being conducted on medical cannabis so that we can have very specific understanding of cannabinoid ratios, terpene ratios, terpene profiles, uh, and ensure that for anyone with a potentially uh, compromised immune system, that they're not taking in mold, mildew, heavy metals, residual pesticides, Mm and that nature. I mean, I don't don't have a compromised immune system, and I don't want to put that in my body either, but we certainly that is a medicine to someone. Um, and then, uh, secondarily we're, we're, we're also working, um, on a project, not on a project, but it's one of the companies under, uh, Blue Diamond Ventures is, um, go pronto, which is a transportation service for cannabis. And that will be implemented in Colorado, Missouri, Illinois, and Puerto Rico. Um, we're really excited about this platform because we're trying to have all veterans uh, operating uh, these vehicles and basically being their own business owners. And, uh, you know, when COVID hit, I thought, you know, oh, it's every, all, all business is going to go away and the cannabis industry is going to get struck really hard. But with the declaration of the fifth largest GDP on the planet, uh, California, as well as uh, I think the 11th largest GDP on the planet in New York, and, and, and then Illinois and Michigan all declaring that cannabis is essential and, and should remain open, just like a pharmacy, just like hospitals, just like grocery stores, cannabis is essential. That was a major boost for mm. our industry and, and a very public recognition of uh, the effectiveness and the necessity of the plant. Mm. Uh, and and what we're recognizing now is that uniquely, uh, transportation and laboratory testing are also things that are going to be very, very relevant in the uh, reduction of, or the fight against coronavirus. Right? When you're talking about um, reducing people's uh, movement. So that we can uh, reduce the amount of uh, of infections that are transferred, transportation is going to be very very important. And you're seeing lots of states now who are putting in emergency policies to allow the transportation of cannabis to patients. Um, and secondarily, we think that we think that uh, the testing is going to have a, a, a very um, applicable is going to be very applicable in in uh, detecting COVID.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's no way you can get around any of the progress without, you know, substantiating the product through testing, and that's for me like that's going to be the most important piece that happens because what do you, how do you know how do you know what's in your product? First of all, it's it's such a high contrast for me. Like, how do we? how it's always been the question how do we validate our need or desire to utilize this plant and have access to it no matter where we are and if we're traveling how do you you know cross those bridges and barriers and all of those things and this is a blessing wrapped up in a curse right it's like we're having to innovate and solve problems that would have otherwise taken ages and ages and ages to gain progress on and I you know, so I feel like that's another really significant, of course, it comes with this challenges, but it's all innovation does right well, so i'm I'm excited to see things progress so quickly
2: yeah we're and we're also excited to you know take a plant who we haven't done which we haven't done research on for something like eighty years. And now we're able to kind of shine a research lens on this using the most advanced technologies available, and the advanced extraction technologies and detection technologies, and uh, and, and high speed computers and AI, and, and be able to apply it to all of that. I, I, I truly believe we are on the cusp of a revolution in medical affairs, mm-hmm. um, meaning that you know we will we will treat patients differently in the future. Medicine. 20 years from now will be almost unrecognizable. 100, 100 years from now, it would definitely be unrecognizable. And cannabis, in my view, will be a major part of it. Um, an under, a deeper understanding of the endocannabinoid system and how that works in terms of providing stasis for our body is mm-hmm. going to be a, a major focus of study. And I think also the study of our own immune systems is going to be a major portion of, uh, of studies being conducted, especially in light of, of uh, coronavirus and, and whatever is going to follow that, by the way.
1: Yes, I, I would have to 100% agree. And I'm really, really excited um, to see all of those things come to fruition. Would you be open to having a follow-up conversation? I would love to continue to have this To have, uh, you know, I would love to continue this conversation, but I'd like to weave a little bit further into um, the Athena protocol, and because all of this sort of mixes in with it, right? And we have a very, very, very concentrated and dense population of consumers who are dealing with all different types of challenges PTSD being one of the biggest complaints from our following um you know on multiple levels and i would love to continue this conversation and just find out you know how, how the athena protocol works you mm-hmm. you mentioned the four different stages so on and so forth um but i think it would just be incredibly valuable and for um so are you are you down to do one more interview with me
2: of course but I okay love- good I would love to bring our chief medical advisor on as well. He's a, he's a really interesting cat. Who's a 1972 graduate from West Point. Well, and he did a full career and spent time with uh, infectious diseases. and Wow. Family practitioner. He helped me really develop this. And, and really, really, it is still a concept. You know, we're not, we're not doing research on this right now. I want the, I want a place where we can do research, where we can really study the neuroprotective effects of, of cannabis. And, and I made those four phases um, intentionally broad because I don't want to get stuck into only one formulation works. We want to be able to continue to improve on neural uh, neuroprotection and neuroplasticity uh, in, in all humans.
1: Such important work. And I think that, you know, we have to speak it into existence. You never know who's listening and you never know who is going to want to be a part of the project. So I definitely say let's have a follow up on that. In the meantime, where can folks find you and where can they follow along with your work as it stands now? And then for those of you guys who are tuning in, you can get excited for our follow up interview.
2: Sure. Um, So you can find our company at harvest360.co. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, just search for Todd Scatini. And uh, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram, but I don't really use it all that much. I'm on <laughs> Facebook, but I really use that for personal. So probably Twitter and LinkedIn are, are the best places to contact me. Um, and I will respond for sure. Um, and then you can find the Veterans Cannabis Project at vetscp.org. And in terms of what we're doing uh, to, to address COVID and the coronavirus, uh, we're, we're now the strategic advisors for cannabis and hemp for a group called Green.org. And Green.org is in the midst of developing a biological crisis response system architecture um, that would be used on a federal level. And we're hoping wow. to export some of their solutions as well to to other countries to help others and this is just hello hello
1: sorry my uh my next girl is popping in with us um you know todd i think the work i think the work that you're doing is absolutely incredible and um, I, when I found you and in, in all of my research, I sent my minions out to find folks. When I found you, I was really, really excited and moved by the work that you're doing Hello? with the veterans community. Hi Evie. I'm just finishing up an interview. I'll be right with you. Um, so I think that, um, I think that the work that you're doing, I was super inspired by it. Cause I think it's just such important. I, I think it's just, so so important to be able to create a standard that is stable enough for businesses to settle into as we are still a self governing industry and moving into what we want to be perceived as a professional one so i I really am grateful for your work and participation here and um, can't wait for our follow up
2: I really look forward to it. Thank you very much Sonia and uh, best of luck to you and uh, wash your hands, stay home, stay safe. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Me too. Thank you so much, Todd. And for all of you guys who are tuning in with us, thank you so much for being a part of this community and a part of our Medical Secrets family. As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis so that you can make educated decisions about how you care for yourself the people that you love, and the conditions we may be suffering from. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution, and we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.